カハンニャハラミタシンギョウ Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Good morning, Bodhisattvas. Or good evening. Or good early morning to some of you. I was reminded of a wonderful koan that was passed down. To us through one of Maizumi Roshi's teachers, Kuryo Saka Roshi. How do you stop the fighting across the river? How do you do that? You know, 25, 2600 years ago, the Buddha gave his first talk, which was on the Four Noble Truths, which starts with that there's suffering and struggle. I don't know about you, but when I learned that, I was like, that's someone speaking my language. <laughs> The shit's real. And how important it is to start there. And you gave this beautiful teaching about the Four Noble Truths that are so important and have been really important for me personally, and I think for at least a couple of others. For the last 2,600 years. But sometimes there's this understanding of them like, okay, so I'm going to get free and then I'll be free. Yay. Now I'm free from suffering. For as far as I know, it's a wheel, the Dharma wheel. And that first talk was the beginning of, and thought to be the first turning of the Dharma wheel. Or sometimes called the Dharma chakra. I always think it's important to know that the Buddha just used that image, which was actually quite old from the Indus Valley, about. 2600 years before him. I love that sense of time. Nothing new. Nothing new. In many ways, in communities, if we're not willing to be in the fight, 
to feel that energy together, it's the breaking apart of community. In ourselves, in myself, in sanghas, in nations, when you kind of get with your group and be like, that to the other group. We create the river and we just stay fighting on our side of the river. Anyone ever do that? Anyone ever thought like, I don't like what's going on over there or that person? It's very popular, it turns out. All the rage. A Dharma elder in our community, Dan Layton, you know, sent some things around to other Zen teachers yesterday that got me curious. It was about Dick Rowland. I don't know if you know his name. He was born around, you know, 1900. And he and his two sisters were orphaned and living in Benita, Oklahoma. And he was informally adopted by this woman named Damie Ford a black woman, and approximately 1909, Ford and Jones moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to join Ford's family, the Rollins. And eventually, Jones took Roland as his last name, And he attended a segregated school there, the Booker T. Washington High School. He dropped out of high school, though, because their family needed support. So he took up a shoe shining business in a white owned and white patronized shine parlor on Main Street in downtown Tulsa. Tulsa at that time was segregated where Jim Crow practices were very much in effect and black people were not allowed to use toilet facilities used by white Christian people. There were no separate facilities for blacks at the shine parlor. But one of the employees had arranged for black employees to use a segregated colored restroom on the top floor of a nearby building on Main Street. So you'd have to leave and go down the street to use the bathroom. And on May 30th, 1921, on his way to this restroom, Dick Rowland was 19. And he tripped and fell onto a 17-year-old elevator operator that he had to be in the elevator with. 
Sarah Page. Another employee was in the elevator and said that he tried to rape her. Sarah refused to press charges, but he was arrested. And it's thought that that was that moment, the black community at that time was up in arms about this arrest. And so was the white Christian community. There were black and white military, sorry, armed confrontation in front of the courthouse. But the black people were outnumbered and retreated to the Greenwood district, which was thought to be called, at that time was called Black Wall Street. It's part of one of the more wealthy organized neighborhoods. But because the, as some people said, the black people dared to protest, the sheriff deputized massive numbers of people and they went into the Greenwood section. They burned 35 city blocks down. 800 people were injured and 300 people died. Thought to be one of the one of the worst racial violences in American history. One of many. But today, this weekend, Memorial Weekend, is uh, the 100th anniversary of that massacre. The massacre of 300 people and the loss of homes of thousands of people. And it was not until 2001 that actually a commission was brought to investigate what happened. 2001. 80 years later, no one was arrested. And what's so amazing is I had no idea my own ignorance about this whole thing. I didn't know who Dick Rowland was or Sarah Page. Part of the Buddha's Eightfold Path is right view, first uh, to alleviate suffering, which is to see how we create suffering. To me, one of the most important parts of that is 
realizing all of us have rage. All of us have intolerance. And all of us in our thoughts and words and actions cause harm in different ways, intentionally and unintentionally. But to me, it's like part of our practice is to educate ourselves, both about history, but also about educating ourselves about how we work with our rage, how we work with our feelings of difference. And this happens in subtle and not subtle ways, right? This horrific massacre. And then also, you know, how easy it is to create separation in the summer. I don't like that. Whatever, fill in the blank. And not have the courage to really stay in relationship. To me, that's exciting. To realize I have the capacity for rage. And I can actually work with that. And I could be with you in that. And then we could talk about it. How do we work with that in our practice, in our community, in our minds? How do you do that? How do you work with rage, with fighting? You know, disgust and rage are one of the seven universal emotions. So they just arise. But depending on how we work with it, it can turn into hate, because then we think it's true, as opposed to a feeling, a fear. How do you work with your anger? I know for me, when I got involved with this practice, I was like kind of trying to flee any fantasy that I was angry. or even had the capacity for the violence that actually I experienced in my own life. And one of the amazing things is we all have that capacity, which I didn't realize until many years into practice, is that we all have capacity for Amazing, beautiful things and terrible, terrible things. I think that's just what is called human. In this group here at the Zendo, and all of you look human to me. If you're not, you can let me know later. Right, Joshua? Right. 
Do and Nika mysteriously silhouetted in the Italian mountainside. <laughs> but to me, the beauty of the practice is learning how to leave that burning. And the only way to leave that fire of rage and intolerance is by going into it, getting, putting literally ourselves into it. That's why I love that koan so much. How do you stop the fighting across the river? Well, you only can do that by realizing that there's no river. There's no separation. And to me, it's just the beauty of practice is to keep looking at how I create separation, how I have a capacity for incredible beauty and incredible destruction. Depends on what you're watering. Even in Michigan. In the Lotus Sutra, there's a wonderful and very powerful uh, parable about the burning house. Some of you are familiar with that. And it's really great because in, in the chapter, it starts like before we get to the burning house, the the Buddha's just like somewhere teaching, I forget where. And a bunch of people from the Sangha just like get up and go. They're just like, whatever. <laughs> and the Buddha's like, okay. <laughs> Adios amigos. And some people get very upset about the group leaving. How dare you? Five thousand of them left. Got up at the, the beginning of his talk. Just got up and left because they felt they had already attained. They had nothing to learn. To me, it's like that's the beginning of fighting, right? How could it be possible that any of us don't have something to learn from every single one of us? How is that possible? From the ground of Buddha nature, it's amazing. There's not a single mote of dust we couldn't learn from. But how human that even these people who are practicing are like, eh, eh. I don't like it. And 
then he tells the story of the burning house where these children are trapped inside of this burning house. And the, there's such a fantastic description of it, which I don't have the time to chose to talk about other things. But basically there's, there's jackals and king cobras in this house and there's, you know, goblins and like all these things around these kids. The house is on fire. And the kids are just playing games. They're just like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> playing Pokemon, I think he said. And the father comes home and sees that the house is on fire and that there's only a little door that you can only get, only one person at a time can guess step through. So he steps into the house and tries to convince the kids that, like, come on, we got to get out of here. Enough of the king cobras and the jackals and the crocodiles. And they're like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We don't see the danger we're in sometimes because we can kind of ever gotten into a group where you like everyone kind of reinforces the other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever do that? I think I did that once. <laughs> I think it's one of the reasons why the Buddha talked about, you know, it's really important to have, you know, solid spiritual friends. because. Like, we really are influenced so much by the company we keep. So they, the kids are just like not bothered at all. So he tells the children if they go out quickly outside, he has like these three amazing carts. Doan just went and arranged the carts for us. Thank you, Doan. So they're ready for all of us. They're outside and it's Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Right? So they're in, of course, in the description, it's an Indian-based sutra. So it's like very colorful. And it's like one is carried by, led by an ox, a white ox, one by like a goat and a deer. Like amazing, bejeweled, and so beautiful. And in many ways, that that is the promise of practice. And the kids get really interested in these carts and the animals. Like, whoa, like something better than this. <laughs> Sounds good. Because so of the way that we can work with our addictions, right? To either like stay in our fighting mind or staying in our I'm not fighting mind, I'm just happy all the time mind. Or staying in our biased mind, which is endless. How do we actually remember what actually is nourished? 
what actually is life-giving? Instead of like, oh, I'm this way, how do we get curious? Turns out that the, I was just reading all of this great neuroscientists about apparently like curiosity is like a real thing. Science says so, in case you didn't. But being curious about what else is also a path of possibility. But we have to be willing to feel the feeling, whether it's rage or joy. Thoroughly feel it. But whatever you suffer with, whatever the struggle is, to like thoroughly feel it and feel the strength of the practice. Stay on the receptive ground of the Dharma and be curious and full of wonder. Are my thoughts, words, and actions of benefit to me and others? Or is there perpetuating that split and that fighting? How can I be loving? How can I show up? I'm so joyful to be with all of you on this Memorial Day weekend here in America, where we also remember the people, both the perpetrators and the victims of the Tulsa massacre, and how those divisions continue both inside of us and in the world today. And how do each of us participate in standing on the receptive ground of the Dharma to make a difference in our community, in ourselves, and in the world? So happy to be with you.